Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Hello. Jerry. Uh, this is Robert. 
Robert. Are we on the Or Big Show? I think so, but I haven't heard anybody yet. I haven't heard anything either. I'm uh, Mo. I'm going. So you're being interviewed. You're from Illinois, right? Yeah, I'm an Illini blogger. Yeah. Okay, great. So my name is Paul Morrison. I go by Mo, Rutgers Mo. And I'm supposedly Jerry's sidekick, but right now I think I'm just being kicked. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> so I've been, I've I've been heard sending the, him text. Hmm? I've heard the intro song twice. Yeah. But, uh, I heard it but once. that's it. I don't know. I think he needs an engineer there or something. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but I just thought anyway, you know, I keep, I would keep trying. I let him know that I haven't been able to get on and, um, we'll go from there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Uh, what time are you supposed to be on theoretically? Uh, This is Argy Fan Jerry. Welcome to another edition of the Big Show podcast. Uh, apologies for the late start and a little bit of technical difficulties early on. We're looking forward to get this show started. And this is a positive edition of the Our Big Show compared to the first two weeks of the season or our, our last two weeks of the season heading into this show when we uh, had to talk about the Kansas and Buffalo losses. Um, you know, there was. A, a little bit of positive, a lot of positive potential to take out in Scarlet Knights 24 to 17 loss last week. Indiana, first and foremost, uh, excited that they were competitive, especially in the second half. Um, and, uh, you know, there were some things on individual plays, particularly quarterback Art Sikowski, uh the wide receiver play, and things to look forward and build upon in a potentially winnable game against the uh, Illinois uh, line fighting Illini, who Rutgers uh, defeated last season. Now, of course, the uh, Illinois team is going to be taking a look at this game as a winnable game on their end. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it and, and chat a little bit about this matchup. Um, I'm going to welcome Rob from the Illini board, uh, known as at Illini, and I hope I got that right. Uh, Rob, Rob uh, welcome to the show. You got it right. It's uh, it's how to spell Illini without using the letters Illini. Now I'm going to welcome aboard um, my co-host uh, Rutgers Mo. Mo, welcome uh, onto the show. We're looking forward to a, uh, another edition uh, and a po- uh, hopefully a uh, a much less you know keeping you off the edge edition as we've had the last uh, two weeks. Well, during the uh, during the technical difficulties, actually, it's Dan, right? Dan and I had a conversation. The whole the whole show has actually been done. So I just wanted you to know that there's there's no point in having this show at this point and good night. 
<laughs> well, I, I, probably that's what the rest of the country is thinking when they see these two <laughs> games on, on the on on the screen. Uh, but uh, for us, and, and you know, I, we're we're both on the same side here. Uh, we're fanatics of both teams, so you know, why not? We're on the internet, and we can uh, chat about it. So, um, you know. Uh, looking at this game, Rob, you're probably in a similar situation at the beginning of the season. You know, uh, Lovey Smith is in his third year. So is Chris Ash. Uh, you, you look at your schedule and there's certain games that you are going to mark off as, as winnable games and games to give you some momentum. Uh, the Illini coming off of a, 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 a bye week, probably seeing that Rutgers um, and Purdue are the next two opponents uh, are looking to build some momentum here, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the last time out was was an encouraging game for three quarters. Illinois actually led Penn State in the third quarter. And beginning of the fourth quarter, it was 28-24 Penn State. So we're all thinking some crazy upset. And then Penn State puts up five touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and we lose 63-24. So, um, so with that fourth quarter taste in our mouths, we went into the bye week. But, yeah, I think you're right that this is one of those uh, – you know, we you looked at the schedule before the season. We looked at the schedule before the season. You focus on the games where you think you have a chance to win. Uh, unfortunately for us, this one is at your house. Now, you really obviously, think that, uh, you really sorry, think that Penn State had to put up thirty-five points in the fourth quarter? Is that necessary? <laughs> it was. It was one of those that you know. It's one of those games where you thought, okay, well, this you know. 41-24 doesn't sound too bad. We covered the spread. And then, you know, our backup quarterback throws an interception. They return it to the 10, score in the next play. And we're like, okay, well, 48 is fine. It's close enough. And then we turn it over again, and they score. And then they score again with two minutes left. And so it, it, it got out of hand quickly. I, I, honestly, I think they weren't even trying to score. Like, they're, they're just running out the ball and second-string offense against the second-string defense we got a safety fall down and, and their guys go 70 yards. So, so it's one of those, you know, I think the, the handshake afterwards, James Franklin was a little embarrassed and saying, uh, we, we really weren't trying to run it up, but that's how it turned out. I think, uh, we know too well about those type of games. Um, you know, whether it's against Ohio state and, um, you know, it is what it is, but, but, uh, you know, looking at the, the positives from that game, from your perspective, um, give us a little bit of, of insight as to, you know, the type of team that Lovey Smith is building, you know, I guess the, the type of personality he wants, um, you know, run the football, you know, tough type of team, or, you know, what, what's the, what's the character of, of this team? When he arrived, he said he wanted to run the football and play defense. Um, had offensive coordinator the first two years, Garrick McGee, who came over from Louisville, um, it just didn't work out the first two years. You know, last year in, like, total offense or total yards, Illinois was, like, 124th out of 113. So, McGee got let go after two years. New offensive coordinator is Rod Smith, who was Rich Rod's offensive coordinator at Arizona. Um, and so, Illinois has switched to what you would remember as that Rich Rod offense at West Virginia and then at Michigan and then at Arizona, where a lot of it starts with the quarterback being able to run uh, and you, you get a bunch of quick tailbacks, 
You're not really going to try to overpower people or run down their throat as much as you're going to try and outquick them and get the ball on the edge to the speedy guys and that type of thing. So it's worked so far. You know, the first, you know, even against Penn State's decent defense, you know, Illinois uh, pushed out to the 24-21 lead in the third quarter and were able to, to run the ball 250-some yards against Penn State. So there's a lot of encouraging signs, but on the flip side, on defense, which is Lovey Smith's staple and how he built his NFL career, uh, it's been a mess to the tune of more than 500 yards a game in the first four games. So, um, so yeah, if, uh, if you're looking for a defense to get your offense tuned up and back in position, this, uh, this might be the one because it's, it's not been good so far. So why is, is the struggle on defense? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Rutgers in a situation similar to where uh, Chris Ash being a defensive coordinator, uh, we a lot of fans were, were are disappointed in the, the defense, particularly knowing that that's a strong suit. So, uh, you know, looking at love from your lens, Lovey Smith, obviously an NFL guy, a defensive guy, uh, you know, what is going wrong? And is it, you know, a more of a talent issue um, than schematics? A lot of it is youth. Um, there's literally one senior on the entire defense. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. And the only senior on the on the defense is a guy that Lovey brought in as a JUCO last year. So if you remember, Lovey got the job in March, and so he didn't have a first recruiting class. So what he did last year with his second season, but his first recruiting class, he brought in a class of 25. He played 22 of the 25 true freshmen. He started at some point during the season 16 of those 22. And by the end of the season was starting seven or six true freshmen on defense. So this year, same thing. He's starting mostly true sophomores, a few true freshmen, and then a sprinkling of juniors and and the one senior. So youth is really the answer everywhere. There's no senior on the defensive line and only two juniors. One of them is injured Uh, in the secondary one junior, and then everyone else is a sophomore or a freshman. So it's just he basically did an overhaul, and this defense is young, 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 and really struggling so far. And I should mention, much like what you guys went through, um, seven players were suspended at the beginning of the season. Um, none of them were kicked off the team, as, as I think you experienced, but uh, seven players, I believe five of them on defense, uh, were suspended. Two were out for the year for academic suspension, and then five guys were uh, suspended for the first three games for an unknown violation of team rules. So that included three defensive starters who have missed all the games. Um, they came back for Penn State. They didn't start, allowed them to come in, just sprinkled them in in the second quarter, that type of thing. So it's a young defense that's missing three starters to suspension and injury. So it's one of those kind of long journeys back. So the hope for Illinois fans is after the bye week, you get these suspended guys back. You get the one junior on the defensive line who's been injured the first four games. You hopefully get him back, and maybe the defense starts to improve. Now it brings everything full circle. Uh, you mentioned Levy Smith coming in in March. This, this uh, uh, I believe, was – you guys brought in a new athletic director who fired uh, Bill Cubitt, who was a was the uh, coach prior. Now Cubitt 
has, of course, a uh, connection to Rutgers, who is uh, our offensive coordinator over here um, under under uh, uh, Greg Schiano, and, and um, his son was actually one of the quarterbacks uh, at the time. Yeah, that was a it was a strange deal that with the Tim Beckman scandal, uh, which was much like your basketball uh, Dave, what was the uh, Dave Rice scandal, um, you know, out went the the football coach, out went the athletic director, so there was nobody to hire the new coach. So they named Cubit the interim for the year, and then just before the final game, they said, okay, we're going to extend Cubit's con- interim contract for two years. So they were going to do basically a second and third year of an interim coach. Um, but Josh Whitman was hired in February. His first day is March 5th, and two hours into his first day, he fired Hubert and his son, who was the offensive coordinator. And uh, then two days later, he hired Lovey Smith. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a quick overhaul of everything by the new AD, just because there basically wasn't an AD in place before at the end of the season to make a coaching move. So um, I guess give us a little bit, you know, you talked about the correlation to like the West Virginia offense um, and give us a little bit of breakdown as far as the players to look out for, you know, looking at it, we, you know, no Mike Epstein uh, looking at the stats, uh, Reggie Corbin and both Epstein are over six, almost seven yards of carry. Um, you know, I, I think Rutgers fans are probably in, in most interested to know, uh, you know, how, what is the passing game and, and will, uh, who, Obviously, Illinois not known for its passing this season. Will will they try to test um, uh, Rutgers through the air, or, or this is more uh, try to you know run and, and get that game going using that offense? Yeah, I think it'll be mostly run heavy. Um, you mentioned the two guys who have been the the key guys, both coming out of the backfield and catches passes out of the backfield. And uh, Epstein is a sophomore, and Corbin, who's a junior. Um, the probably best player on the team, uh, who was a wide receiver named Mike Dudex, uh, is now out for the season with his fourth consecutive season ending injury. He missed all mm-hmm. of twenty fifteen, all of twenty sixteen, played seven games last year and one game this year and is out again. So um that was just a, a massive blow because he's a he was the biggest game changer on the roster. So the passing game is also limited to a transfer come in from Appalachian State, Appalachian State's leading receiver a few years ago. Um, he was supposed to be the, the, the partner for Dudek, and he injured himself in the summer and is out for the season. So um, it's down to, in the passing game, Ricky Smalling, who's a sophomore. He's clearly the go-to guy. And then a smattering of guys who weren't going to play this year um, but are – may be forced into action by the fact that uh, several receivers are out. So, um, so yeah, that's why you know, you know, part of the question on Saturday and the thing Illinois fans don't even know is Illinois bought in, brought in a fifth-year transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech, A.J. Bush. He won the starting job in camp, uh, played really well, like ran for 150 or ran for 130 and threw for 170 or something like that in the first game against Kent State. Um, but then got injured late in the first quarter of the second game and hasn't been back. He had a hamstring injury. So the question is whether he is back or if they have to turn to the true freshman quarterback, M.J. Rivers, 
who isn't as much of a runner. He's more of a thrower, but has has thrown the ball pretty well in these in these three games since since Bush got injured. So that's that's the one thing Illinois fans are looking for is who comes out for the first half at quarterback. Is is Bush healthy or is it still the freshman? Which Bush are we talking about? Is that senior or junior? Sorry, say that again. I was just wondering which Bush you're talking about, senior or junior. It was more of a political AJ, reference. Okay, yes. <laughs> this is this is AJW Bush. Yeah. AJW uh, Bush. Uh, well, he's got a yeah, we'll call it that. So it's probably probably okay. Yes. I got it. Yes, it's the second one. Yeah. He actually, actually is AJ Bush Junior. So. Well, <laughs> well, following that question up. How, what's the difference between your two runners? Are they both fast? Is one more powerful than the other? Uh, one more nifty? Yeah, ex- give us a little detail on that, would you? Um, uh, Reggie Corbin has the nickname Phone Booth. He's that shifty guy, you know, like the whole, like, you know, can, can escape a tackle inside a phone booth kind of thing. Um, huh. he, he's, he's that kind of stop on a dime. Not, he, he's not high-end speed. Um, you know, Illinois fans probably roll their eyes a little bit sometimes. He's been caught from behind at the 10 like six times in his career. Uh, so people, even his teammates, kind of, you know, give him a hard time for it and such. Uh, he's fast. He's just not that high-end speed guy. Uh, he, but he's really, really shifty. Just He's that guy who will stop and then go and then stop and then go. Um, uh, Epstein is probably faster. Um, he was clearly the best player on offense last year before his injury. He, he played in five games, but then uh, uh, had a, a stress fracture in his foot, missed the rest, missed the last seven games of the season. Um, he's the home run hitter, and he's the, um, I, I think, clearly probably the, the most talented player on offense. Um, so, he, yeah, those two guys, but neither is going to run you over. There's a third tailback, Rayvon Bonner, who's probably that guy that tackle breaker, tough yards guy. But, again, this is the Rich Rod offense, so this is fastest guy wins and get these guys off the edge or up a gap and, you know, hit the turbo. So that's that's kind of the offense Illinois is going to bring. So defensively, um, some – it, I guess obviously just playing so many young guys, uh, you know, you, you you probably have a couple of guys who have developed over the last couple of games, but uh, you know, particularly against the Penn State. But who are the guys who are, are to look out, and, and what are the strong units on on, on defense? Um, you know, despite obviously the struggles this year. Well, the guys that you know, I, I've said this to several people. The best defensive lineman going on the season was Jamal Milan but he hurt his knee in camp and has been out the first four games. Best cornerback was Nate Hobbs. He was one of the suspended guys. Best safety was Bennett Williams. Clearly, he was one of the suspended guys. So you have your two starting linebackers who you knew going into the season, and they've played pretty well. And you know, Jake Hansen had five-and-a-half tackles for loss against Kent State, and you know, they, they've, they've, they've done well. But you haven't had your stars at any of the other positions. And so – um, you know, as Illinois fans, we probably put too much on that. The defense, again, giving up 503 yards average in these four games, and that includes a game against Kent State and a game against Western Illinois. So, you know, you play two real opponents in those games, 
and Illinois would be giving up 600 plus per game easily. So that's that's a that's a huge concern. The hope for Illinois fans is you get your best safety back, you get your best cornerback, you get your best defensive tackle back, and you know the defense takes a step forward. But um, yeah, it's been. I mean, South Florida could have they, they put up 600 some yards. Penn State, once they got it going that fourth quarter, it was just knife through butter. So um, it's a huge, huge concern. So heading, you know, we talk we talk to football now, you know, learn your players. Uh, but, you know, like what we're doing here in Rutgers also, season three, as I mentioned, for, for Chris Ash, uh, you know, the, um, you, you know, going into the season, the schedule in this part of of the year was hopefully giving opportunity to to start off the year good, and it has happened has that way. Now, what what is the feeling with year three with Lovey Smith and and where you see the program? Obviously, he's playing a lot of young guys, hoping to pay dividends in in a year or two. Um, but what's the general feeling of where he is right now in the program? I think the general feeling has been. Uh, patience. Uh, there were a couple national articles, like preseason, who's going to be on the hot seat this year that listed Lovey. And there were a lot of Illinois fans that went after these writers on Twitter of like, you know, Lovey just, just last year played 22 freshmen. He's going to play those 22 sophomores plus 10 of his new freshmen this year. You know, the athletic director is totally on board with that and asked him to overhaul the whole roster and get rid of the Beckman mess and start over. So, you know, fans seem to be, have bought that message. You play a whole bunch of, you know, you play 22 freshmen in 2017, in 2020, there, that's going to be a whole bunch of seniors and experienced seniors. And it was a pretty good recruiting class. And, you know, Maybe 2018 is a struggle. 2019, you take a step forward. In 2020, you're great. So I think people are, you know, on board with that. But as you guys know, and I know, when you lose to Penn State 63-24, and when you give up 660 or whatever yards to South Florida, and it's year three, and the last six Illinois coaches have all gone to a bowl in their third year, um, you know, it that that whole thing fades pretty quickly when the results aren't happening. So it'll be interesting to see if Illinois does have like a three and nine or even, you know, even a two and ten season in year three. Uh, I think that patience will run out pretty quickly. What kind of um, what kind of a commitment is there to um, Smith? How many years does he have remaining on his contract? He's got a six year deal. He's got a big buyout. Um, he's got an athletic director who was a football player at Illinois and was part of an overhaul rebuild when Ron Turner came in in 1997. That was kind of a five-year deal as well. And by 2001, they were in the Sugar Bowl. They made it be at BCS Bowl. And so I think that kind of guides what he wants to do with this football program. I think he's told Lovey – I mean, he's clearly told Lovey you can start over because Lovey is down to 14 Cubit recruits and 13 Beckman recruits. You know, I, I did this study in the off season of like, you know, 
at this point in Ron Zook's third year, he had 39 inherited players left. And at this point in Tim Beckman's career, he had 41 inherited players left. And Lovey of inherited players, not inherited recruiting class, but inherited players is down to 13, actually 12 now because somebody else is left. So he literally cleaned house. 17 players left in the offseason. He started the freshman, all the upperclassmen just, okay, I'm going elsewhere. I'm never going to play here. So he has completely gutted and started over. Illinois was the youngest team in college football last year, returns everybody, and is still the youngest team in college football this year. So it's, it's insane, the youth movement. Many would say way too overboard, you know, Last year, starting four freshman offensive linemen. If you're starting, I don't care if you're Alabama. You start four freshmen on the offensive line, the season is over. You know, there's, you just, nobody's going to be ready when they're 18 years old to take on a Big Ten defensive line. You're just not ready. So they have, you know, they've almost sacrificed wins and said, you know what, we're not going to try to win. Let's just build something with these kids. And then once they're upperclassmen, we're going to have a good team. Although something tells me I might take Alabama's freshman. <laughs> You're right. Uh, right You're right. You're right. <laughs> I read an article that was like, uh, I think it was USC. Like USC was already starting one freshman. Like might have to start second freshman. You know, catastrophe for USC offensive line. This was last year. And I'm like, you know, try starting four freshmen and not four five star freshmen. Four you know, project, let's develop them and see how they're, how good they can get when we get them in the weight room. Oh, by the way, you know, one of, one of the kids started the season is 17 years old last year and he's starting Alex Palczewski. So it's like, okay, 17 year old, get out there and go block a big 10 defense event. Good luck. So my last question for you, um, I, I, you know, I do remember when I, when I you know, first heard of Lovey Smith, Higher, um, you know, and Mo asked a question about the commitment to him. But um, are you always curious about his commitment being, you know, an NFL guy? I mean, it was over 20 years um, since he coached in college. Um, that you know, it's tiresome recruiting. It's not the same as you know, you know NFL in terms of, of of that. You have to be moving. You have to be talking to kids and parents and. Um, is there a concern that, you know, at some point he, you know, kind of takes himself back into the NFL and doesn't finish the job down or, or you guys feel he's long for the program? I've answered this question so many different times, you know, on different podcasts and such, um, because it, it's the obvious question that everybody thinks, you know, An NFL guy was fired in Tampa Bay. He felt like too soon, you know, he had went from two and 14 to six and 10 improving team and he gets fired. You know, is he going to – is he just waiting for that next even defensive coordinator job in the NFL? And the answer I always give is you just have to see him in Champaign. Like, they do training camp in Champaign on another part of campus, and he rides his bike through town. He lives in downtown Champaign in a big loft downtown. His wife kind of travels between their place in Tampa, their place here. He seems content and happy. He talks about this as his, you know, fourth down of his career, as he called, or fourth quarter of his career, you know, first quarter with college coach, second quarter with NFL coordinator, 
third quarter was Bears coach and Tampa Bay coach. Fourth quarter is I've always wanted to help kids, and I'm going to help kids until I retire. So he views this, you know, you have to picture who Lovey Smith is and how his players talk about him, you know, suspending these players, sitting down with one-on-one with them. I think that's his juice. I don't know if he loves recruiting, probably not, but the one-on-one stuff with 18-year-old kids and helping them grow up quick is, is what he enjoys. So I think he's, I think he's, I think he means it when he says fourth quarter of his career. He wants to build this program and then go retire on a beach somewhere. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I don't know, Mo, do you have any final uh, thoughts uh, uh, before uh, Rob goes? Dan and I actually spoke uh, while you were working on the technical difficulties, so um, I'd like to wish you luck, Dan, but I hope you understand I can't. So we'll, we'll just postpone that till the week after you meet us. How's that, okay? The rest of the season, you know, wish, wish you great luck, uh, but this weekend we, got, we need a W2, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, so. it's a very, very, very interesting game that both teams are so, so desperate uh, to get this one, both view it as, okay, we're at least going to beat them. And then we can approach the rest of the season from there. So yeah, the loser on Saturday is, is probably facing a, uh, a dark seven weeks to close the year. So uh, do we get a prediction out of you? Um, yes, you can. I don't do the score until the night before. It's my little, uh, superstition that I do, but I'll tell you right now, I'm leaning toward a Rutgers win. Uh, uh, I, the one thing we can't do is, is stop any offense. And if Rutgers issue has mostly been, uh, offense and just can't get it going and can't get it started and the turnovers and everything else, you know, it just feels like this is one of those games where, you know, the salve you've been looking for, for your offensive struggles is a defense that's given up 500 plus per game. So, um, yeah, as of right now, I, I don't think yeah, Illinois never does well in its first road game. So I'm watching through my fingers and expecting four bad turnovers. I tell you what, I like that prediction so much. We're going to call you by your real name, Rob. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's good. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for coming on the show again. Uh, and it can find you on Twitter at, at a, a lion eye and, uh, we'll talk and hopefully do this again uh, in the future. All right. Good luck on Saturday, guys. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. And, uh, you know, it, it, it interesting, kind of like last week when we were talking to, the you know, um, the podcast from, from Sam from um, Indiana, you know, you see another program here that's similar to where Rutgers is in a, in a rebuild um, and you know what what they're thinking of you know you're having tough games against Penn State and uh, you know obviously not getting the results I, I think that Coach Smith has taken a much more drastic approach to uh, playing you know all 22 freshmen last year and and, and 10 more this year uh, that you, you you know wins are are not what were expected um, you know even in year two but um, you know so we started off. Uh, or I started off talking about how, you know, this week feels a little bit more positive. Um, you know, 
what, 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 how do you feel, uh, you know, again, about the game last week and, and particularly the play of, of, of some of the players uh, like Sikowski and, and the wide receivers? Yeah, well, I, um, I've been coached up, so to speak. As I was listening to you talk, I'm hearing the positivity, but I was feeling it anyway, to be candid. Um, I think that we did a much better job, certainly in the second half. The first half, let's not, let's not rehash it, but uh, Art basically did okay. He did all right. And if we can get some more production from our wide receivers, uh, Shameen is certainly stepping up, looking like he has potential. Um, Lewis is stepping up, looking like he's got potential. If we can add to that list. Um, and guys, Bo Melton. Bo Melton made a couple of nice grabs. Um, it wasn't quantity, it was quality. He did some good stuff. So I'm hoping that what Rob, is that his name? What Rob said is true. I'm hoping that the Illini are essentially, I don't take this the wrong, a Viagra for us. We could use one. If it'll, if it'll assist us in getting our offense off tracks and, uh, and running in the right direction, that's exactly what we need. The problem, I think, is, is that what he didn't mention was that I think the Illini have something like seven or eight takeaways so far. I think uh, that's correct. You might, you might have the stats on that, Jerry. And uh, that's a concern. Interceptions are something that they seem to be able to uh, come up with. So we've got to make sure that ball protection is there. We have to distribute the ball to um, – Chaco has to be in the mix. He's got a gear that none of our other backs have as far as I can see. And I love Blackshear, don't get me wrong. But um, I think those two guys in particular, Hillman more as a battering ram, uh, but those two guys need, need to be running it. And if Art can complete some uh, passes and we can actually get a passing attack going, that'll open up the running game as well. So I'm, I'm looking for a Rutgers victory. I'm looking for a W this weekend. And um, well, I'll tell you what, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Pacheco because I, I was thinking about this on the way and I would think that this would be that game where, where you can give him a serious or two, not, not just, you know, now, now here's where it would be good to have one of the guys that, you know, are there in practice. They, they're never going to tell you exactly, but you know, I, we don't know what goes on in terms of him being a freshman. And I remember just learning the position, you know, uh, blitz pickup and, and some of those intricate things that a running back has to do while he's on the field. Uh, but, you, you know, I would like to see him get, you know, not just one or two carries and then run off the field, but, but stay on for a series of two. And you would think this would be a game that might, you know, present that, that opportunity. Uh, you know, uh, he, 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 like you said, it seems, you know, like he, there's, the easing process, and then there's kind of, a, a, you know, the time to, to, to get him there and see what he can do. Well, it, it's not only him. I, you know, it, I was going to mention it, but I just didn't um, – I didn't want to jump in at that point. Playing, you know, whether, whether you're the youngest team in the league or not, bottom line is you have to produce. So I don't care if you're playing all seniors or if you're playing all freshmen. When you step on the field, it's go time. You know that. And it doesn't matter – it wouldn't matter if Rutgers is playing the second uh, youngest team on the field, if we're 
losing games as we have, it just isn't acceptable any more so than what the Illini are. They seem to be our double ganger in the other side of the Big Ten. They're in the western side. We're on the eastern side, right? Or the, um, I think, yeah, that's right. We're on the east and they're on the west. So we are similar in a lot of respects, certainly in that respect. And in terms of um, the expectations on the coach, I'm hoping also we have other players on the team that haven't really seen the, the field. Sneeds, Norway. I mean, I just wonder about, is there a place for these people? And why wouldn't we use them when we can? And um, Well, well me, I mean, I think you, you kind of, uh, I mean, you're talking about Norway. I mean, now I'm, I said, you know, we have three running backs. We don't need to see four. You, 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 you can't, I, I want to see Pacheco to see him in a flow of a game. I want to see him get a series of two, right? Um, you can't also feed in Norway as well, right? I mean, so uh, you know, you got Blackshear and Hillman, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not saying get everybody on the field. I'm saying there's Pacheco has that. He seems like he could be a special player and, and, you want to get him on the field. You know, it's not work everyone into the game. You know, they got to try to win the game. No, no, I, I agree with that. What I'm really, I wasn't suggesting necessarily that Norway or Snead be running backs. What I am suggesting is perhaps if they look at other options for these guys, that's really what I'm alluding to. What I'm saying is what's been, what I've read is that Norway is fast. I think Snead is fast. That's what I'm hearing. If they've got speed, why not use it? Whether that's cornerback, whether it's punt return. I mean, I don't know where it's going to fit in. That's the job of the coaching. But I'm, what I'm saying is, if you've got guys who are, who are in your upper echelon who are fast, why not take advantage of that? Because that seems to be the item that kills us repeatedly. It's just straight-line speed. Um yeah, no, I hear. I think I, th- I think what what um, we'd like to see is the defense play the way it's played in the second half. Now, whether or not that was Illinois, sorry, Indiana getting conservative, we'll find out early. Because regardless, as you mentioned earlier, the, you said let's forget about the first half. But you know, the last three first halves have been you know atrocious. So I think we're going to know early on, you know, what kind of game this is going to be because. While Sikowski is improving, you know you don't want to force him into a shootout because then, as you, that that's when potential turnovers come. So, uh, you know the, the defense will have to will have to step up, uh, you know you know and keep this not into a shootout, which I don't think is going to bode well, uh, you know for Rutgers. Well, well, and I would agree with you. I don't know if you watched um, or heard the comments from McNulty and from Neiman. And um, I'm keeping it positive. I hope you understand that. But I do want to make a comment. And that is that from my perspective, Ms. Nolte left me with a much more positive feeling, whereas Neiman seemed a bit lower energy. Let's just leave it that way. I didn't get the energy. I didn't get the burst. I didn't get the sense that he might have, he might have a solution. Whereas with Ms. Nolte, I got a, a really good sense that he knows that there's problems. He knows that there's short-term, intermediate-term, and long-term fixes. And I really got a sense that, you know, that he's the guy who can do it. I'm not saying Neiman can't. I'm just wondering about RD. I'm wondering how, 
how we're going to stop Illinois. That, that's, that's the one thing, whether it's Epstein or the other running back, we're going to need to stuff them. We're going to also need to be ready for a quarterback who may be mobile. That's always posing a problem for Rutgers, always. Under Shiano, I mean, we, we, you know, right, we've seen it. We've seen it where quarterbacks like Bridgewater and, and, and others have just taken us apart. So I'm wondering to what degree Neiman has been able to fine-tune the defense so perhaps we blitz more. Perhaps we don't go into zone as much. Perhaps we do zone occasionally. We do man, then we mix it up. I don't know what it is, but I do know that we became very predictable in certainly the first half of the Indiana game. Yeah, and I think uh, you have a point in talking about the blitz and talking about that against quarterbacks like this, and and not to put them down, but you're not talking about good top passing quarterbacks. So when you get into those situations when it's, uh, you know, third and long, you know, bring it. Uh, You know, don't, as you said, uh, you, you know, drop into a soft zone, uh, and then you scramble, beat one guy, and, you know, it's first down. So it's a good point. Uh, now, going to what you're talking about, Neiman and McNulty, I think I think it's just so much easier to be positive when it comes to the probably the most important position in the team, and that's quarterback. And, you know, a week ago we were talking about, you know, um, you know should Rashino play, you know, da-da-da. And I think what we saw today was uh, this doesn't mean that Sikowski may never get pulled in a game because if he's throwing five interceptions and a half, he should get pulled. But I think for the rest of the season, as long as he's healthy, he's starting. And that, that's what we saw today. I mean, he's, you know, last week, and he's the best quarterback that they have. And as long as he is healthy, he starts. Uh, he may have a bad day. You got to pull him, but he's the guy. And I, I think that's what the positivity came from. And then also, you know, a couple of the passes and the plays that were made. You mentioned Bo Melton. It wasn't just the catches. There was a few near misses where McNulty alluded to in the press conference that, you know, a little bit better blocking and, you know, some of those passes might start connecting on the deep passes, you know? So I think that's part of the reason for the positivity from McNulty. Well, um, again, I'm, I'm looking for a, a W this weekend. I'm certainly not looking for, um, I'm not looking for a sign that we need to post over the uh, uh, on a board or on this podcast that is going to uh, blacken the skies and, and basically tell everybody that's it, the flood's coming, uh, no pun intended there, and uh, we have to make a change. No, I'd like to see the team and Chris come together. And I think some of the comments that I've seen from the players, they didn't give up. I think the defense, to its credit, did pitch a shutout. I think the offense, to its credit, did put some points on the board. And, um, yeah, you can fault maybe whoever it is, somebody for not coaching them up in, on the last play there when they, when they drew us off sides. But, you know, I think that's being a little bit picky in. I really do. I think the bottom line is that we kept it close. Maybe we could have drawn it into, uh, gone into overtime. That's possible. Who knows? We might have won it but we didn't. But the fact is, I don't think the team gave up. And I think that's really a positive. And it's a positive for our head coach as well as for our coaching staff. So now the bottom line is, what can we do with that? And what? Do we, and we're going to know. We're going to know on Saturday. We're going to see whether or not there's actually anything to 
this particular trend and does it produce on the field? Because ultimately that's where it's at. And we need to do that for not only our, for not only our sake, but for the sake of the program and for the sake of collecting and getting more fans and keeping them in the stands. Those things are important. All right. So I think we're ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's make a, let's hear your prediction. I'm going to go with Rutgers 34 and Illinois 25. 34 to 25. All right. that, that'll be yeah, a really strange score. Right? But it just hit me. <laughs> well, I'm going to go to Rutgers as well, but I'm going to go 23 to 17. I think they're going to move the ball. They're going to struggle a little bit getting in the end zone, but um, I liked what I saw out of Justin Davidovich with the uh, stadium record field goal. So, uh, you know, let's give him a couple of field goals and, and get out of there with a 20 to 3, 23 to 17 victory. I'd settle for that. <laughs> well, uh, nice um, positive show, as we said, and uh, we'll see. Because uh, regardless, um, you know, <laughs> I still think the loser of this game is not going to be in the best of places. So uh, we'll see how it goes when we, we chat about this uh, next week. And, uh, uh, we'll we'll circle back. Um, uh, you know, if it's a win, it's then looking for some positive momentum with Maryland the following week. Um, and if it's a loss, it, you know, then you're starting to worry about you know if there's going to be another win. So uh, we'll chat. We'll chat in a week. Sounds good. All right, Mo. Thanks a lot. Bye, bye, Jerry. All right, and everybody else, are you fan Jerry? Thanks for listening. Now make sure to. Uh, Pull us in on iTunes and also listen again. Uh, we'll be on next week. Same time. Thanks again. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.